Please be seated. Uh, Church, we are really blessed to have Melissa Lipset coming to share with us this morning. Melissa is the CEO of Baptist World Aid. And with Melissa this morning is um, John Mansfield, who's the Queensland Relationship Manor. Tish and Gabe are here up from Sydney as well. Um, Can we give them all a really big welcome? In fact, great to have you all here. Melissa has had a, a, a many years experience in ministry over a long period of time, in fact, uh, ministered down New Life Uniting Church with Stu Cameron down there for a number of years, now most recently in this role as CEO of Baptist World Aid. Melissa came up to speak at our Wonder Conference yesterday. Thank you for doing that as well. I do want to mention after service, there's a table out in the foyer there with um, some, some information about Baptist World Aid. A few things I did want to mention is their ethical fashion guide has just come out hot off the press. And you can grab a copy of that there at that table. I know a lot of you um, love getting a hold of that. Make sure you do that. The other thing is there's some child sponsorship opportunities. We're going to watch a video about that in a moment as well, as well as an opportunity to buy a a Christmas gift for those in need in our world. And so there's all some great opportunities there between the hampers and that as well. Some great opportunities just to respond this morning. But before Melissa comes, uh, I'm just going to pray uh, for her and we're going to go to this, this video. So let me pray and then we're going to check this video out together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, Melissa. Thank you for her heart for your kingdom, um, to be your hands and your feet in this world. Thank you for the work of Baptist World Aid. And so we pray, Lord, as we come to your word now, we open our hearts to you and we pray uh, a special blessing, Lord, uh, for each and every one of us, in fact, Lord, a word for us, we pray in this season. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's go to the screens. Every morning, my mum wakes me up so I can get to school on time. She makes me breakfast so I have lots of energy to learn and play with my friends. I work hard at school so I can be wherever I want when I grow up. And at lunchtime, I eat my sandwich fast so I can play with my friends. But did you know there are girls who don't get to have a childhood like I do? How come? That doesn't seem fair. Girls Shinoli, who lives in a country called Nepal, near the Himalayan mountains. Her family had a really hard time, especially during COVID. She was sad a lot and didn't feel good about things. But when someone in Australia became a child sponsor for Shinoli, everything changed. Now Shinoli goes to a child and youth club in her village so she can learn, make friends and make plans. You know what? You can become a child sponsor so children like Shinoli can dream big dreams. Because Baptist World Aid has lots of child and youth clubs all over the world to help other kids who don't have very much, where poverty makes their life hard for them. But these clubs help a lot. Isn't that cool? 
और का कहना इतना खुशी मिलत नहीं रहा एक हाथी Oh and Shinoli loves animals just like me but hers provide milk for the family to drink and sell so they don't have to be hungry I hope you can become a child sponsor so children like Shinoli can know someone cares about them I think that would help them when it's hard or if covid comes back I don't like covid If you can please become a child sponsor today she can live like Jesus wants her to with food and hope and friends Baptist World Aid can help you be a child sponsor. This will make everything better so she can have a better life too. So she can, so she can play, so she can learn, so she can live in the fullness of life that Jesus always planned for her. Well, thank you so much, Bridgie, for having us this weekend. It was such a joy to be a part of the Wonder Conference yesterday. What a beautiful community uh, this is! Incredible stories from women yesterday. It was so special to be a part of that. But what's also really special for me is that I'm a Queenslander. This is coming home for me. I lived I'm living in Sydney now but you should actually hear me complain all winter about the weather in Sydney because you know what I just want the Lord to bring me home soon not yet not yet not 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 home home just home to Queensland first lord um but not yet because I I just cannot tell you how privileged I feel to be leading this incredible organization Baptist World Aid on behalf of the Australian Baptist family. I've been in training for this role my entire life. Uh I just adore it. Uh we are good people doing great work but on a foundation of incredible faith and it's such a privilege to be um to be leading that work and to be sharing it with you but so lovely to be home in Queensland so thank you now how strange these last years have been you wouldn't let me into the state a lot over these last few years but i understand to be honest most of us didn't see a pandemic coming did we the notion seemed implausible how much has changed and how much we now know but still the questions remain or at least they do for me why did this happen will it happen again and alongside covid we know that our world is experiencing such widespread conflict and environmental disasters and you know asking questions in the face of tragic circumstance and disaster isn't new we've done that down through the ages and usually without satisfactory answers being provided or found But the theologian Tom Wright challenges us that the best question is not why, but what. What can we do? He reminds us that Christians have always asked this better question in response to crisis, a response that was modelled to us from the very earliest days of the church and has continued through the very worst of times. Now, in Paul's very first letter. he tells the galatians to do good not just to the galatians but to do good to all people and the outside world then couldn't believe that message 
And in his book, The Rise of Christianity, author Rodney Stark makes a compelling case that the way Christians behaved in the early plagues um, of those early centuries was a significant factor in the spread of the faith. And ever since, Christians have visited the prisoners, they've cared for the wounded, they've welcomed the stranger and fed the hungry. Well, the aftermath of the global pandemic is far from over, particularly for the most fragile and vulnerable parts of our world. And there are significant other crises confronting us. We had food um, and hunger, sorry, food insecurity and hunger, and even famine right across Africa. We have conflict in Myanmar. We have the war in Ukraine, the economic crisis in Sri Lanka. And of course, even before these crises, we know that there is very real inequality, injustice and poverty in our world. There always has been. But does it follow that there always will be? Well, I don't believe so. I truly believe that there is another way. And so the questions I have for us today and for every person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus are these. What is our role? What does God expect of us? What are we doing to be at work with God today? Now, I'd love to take you on a bit of a journey with this, but let me start at the beginning where we need to start with Jesus Now, we know that one of the marks of the Christian life is serving and that Jesus modelled a life of service that culminated in that ultimate act of service when he gave up his life on the cross. And just a day earlier, Jesus had gathered with his disciples to celebrate the Passover and he got up and he took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and he began to wash and dry his disciples' feet. Now picture Jesus kneeling at the foot of his men. They were dirty, dusty, smelly feet. At first they protested, but Jesus insisted. He wanted to leave them not just a very clear picture of who he was, but who he wanted them to be as his followers. As Jesus served us, So we are called to serve others and we know that one of the most important things we can do as people of faith is to live a life that serves others. Here's what Jesus had to say. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for what that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, when I was 21, I went forward in a tiny little chapel and I gave my life to Jesus. And I knew that if I accepted him, Jesus would forgive my sins, that he would take away my guilt and shame and that he would be my friend right through life. And yes, eventually Jesus would take me to be with him. And making that decision felt wonderful. And it was gloriously just about Jesus and me in those moments. And I can imagine that you can identify with my experience. For me, the gospel was and is very, very personal. But you know, if that's where it stops, it's not the whole gospel. 
In fact, in the words of Richard Stearns, who was a past president of World Vision International, that version of the gospel, the one where it's just about me and Jesus, is a gospel with a hole in it. He said, being a Christian requires much more than just having a personal and transforming relationship with God. It also entails a public and transforming relationship with the world. If your personal faith in Christ has no outward expression, then your faith has a hole in it, an awfully big hole. Now let me remind you that the very start of Jesus' ministry, when he identified and called his disciples, he didn't say to them, follow me and I'll take you to heaven. What did he say? He said, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus wasn't just calling the disciples into a holy huddle. He was sending them. He wasn't just inviting them to follow him. He was asking them to join him in his work, to go out into the world and to serve people just as he did. So the gospel isn't just about Jesus and me. It's about Jesus and his mission. It's about Jesus and others. And it's about following him for the sake of others. Now, during my years in ministry, I've been very privileged to spend a time with a local church in Indochina where the church is controlled and it's far from free. And Christians there are monitored and Church activities have to be registered and approved and the Christian community risks their comfort, their livelihood and more to serve their communities and to share the gospel. And harassment is particularly strong in places where the church is growing and of course we know that where the church is persecuted there is this incredible thing about blessing and church growth. Uh, and it is growing at an exponential rate in some of those rural ethnic communities. And this threatens the control of authorities. And so the persecution of Christians and pastors increases. And it was in an ethnic hill tribe region that I met Pastor Lai. Now, Pastor Lai is a subsistence rice farmer by day, and he's a Bible translator by night, translating the scriptures into his own um, people's indigenous language of Hmong. And in every other waking moment, Pastor Lai pastors a church of 888 people uh, with from 183 households. I'm pretty sure he knows every single one of them by name. Now, Lai became a Christian when he was working remotely with a group of men who gathered together around a radio and heard a nightly Christian broadcast. They learned about Jesus for the first time and the men decided that they would become Christians together. Right from their very first moments, they understood that Christian faith is not just personal. Yes, it's that, but it's more. It's a faith that is best lived out and shared in community. And Lai shared his story with me in these words. I needed to know the real faith, he said. I needed to know this was the truth. I love listening to and talking about the word with the other men. I learned a lot and I began to see that the men in my family didn't have good lives. They drank a lot and I wanted my life to be different. 
I did not want to be like father, like son. I wanted to be like my heavenly father. But the Bible taught me I need to serve and I realised my people needed me to tell them what is in the Bible so it can change their lives too. Right from the very beginning, Lai understood that his new faith was not just personal, but that it meant having a transforming relationship with his community too. Now, a young man called Patan, who I've met through our work at Baptist World Aid, understands that too. Patan was only 15 years old when his parents died, and his grandparents took him in. Praise the Lord for grandparents. They wanted to keep the spark of education alive for Patan, but they weren't sure how they could make that happen because they live in a very poor uh, rural village with very few opportunities for education. But through our local partner, our local Christian partner in Bangladesh, Bangladesh Baptist Aid in actual fact, Pathan was able to go to school where alongside his schoolwork, he learnt about the rights of every child, including the rights of girls in his community. And Pathan became passionate about the safety of his friends and soon he began to lead in order to do something about it. And he formed a community safety committee and he helped his friends to stop child marriage, sadly, uh, on the rise since COVID struck. And he and his friends mapped out safe routes for the girls to walk to school and they made sure that they were never alone. And then Patan and his friends challenged the corporal punishment that teachers use to beat children with canes. And now that practice has been outlawed in that community. And together they shared messages of health and hygiene, information that helped to keep young people and their families physically healthy during the COVID pandemic. Patan has taken what he's been given and he's used it for the good and well-being of others. And his work and his efforts have made a real difference in his community. And Patan reminds me that God has delegated to human beings the power to run so many aspects of this world. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we know that God always calls us to love, to act and to serve. There is no plan B. But the world we're called to is broken. You don't need me to tell you that. And current predictions are that the economic progress that had been made in developing countries prior to COVID has been pushed so far back by the pandemic that it will take 30 years to catch up to where it was. Hundreds of millions of people in the poorest countries may have lost their jobs on a permanent basis and over 130 million girls across Asia and Africa alone are likely to never return to school. Most of them have probably, been, have probably gone into a child marriage. More than six million people have died worldwide, but to bring that closer to home, recently I was shocked to learn that across the fledgling Baptist church in just Nepal and Bangladesh, over 300 local Baptist pastors have died from COVID. Shocking. 
Now, this is the world that we're a part of. Up to a billion people are currently facing food insecurity and, yes, even famine. And increasingly, this is in countries who would never have even contemplated this as a possibility in the past. Now, we've had a small glimpse of food scarcity in Australia in the last few years who knew that toilet paper would be such a valuable commodity. And funnily enough, we recently had the lettuce scarcity thing. Did you have that in, in Brisbane? We couldn't buy lettuce in, um, in, in Sydney. But in my local supermarket, right throughout the lettuce crisis, kale was still available. And I love kale, but, but my husband said that, that it just proves his theory about being completely inedible. Now, there is, no, there is no question that the cost of living has made food insecurity a thing, um, a reality for Australian families. So thank you for this community's contribution, those 2,500 hampers that will go out from here. That's incredible. Thank you for that. But across the Horn of Africa, in countries like Malawi, Somalia, Sudan, Kenya, the situation is dire. The rains haven't come for over four years and the current drought is the worst in living memory. Africa is on the cusp of famine. Now, a combination of drought, but also conflict since Kabul fell has seen an ever-increasing exodus of refugees from Afghanistan and they now number in their millions. Closer to home, over one million Rohingya, Karen, Chin and Kachin have fled Myanmar during the current conflict and persecution and they now find themselves entirely stateless. We know that the conflict in Ukraine has displaced over 10 million people, several million have poured across the border into countries like Poland and Hungary and Moldova. And thank you for supporting the work that we've been able to do there as we've come alongside the Ukrainian and Hungarian Baptist family as they've served their, their people so incredibly well, so incredibly diligently. And I was able to meet with the Ukrainian and Hungarian Baptists just a few weeks ago, and it was very humbling to know that God has enabled us through people like you to support the work that they're doing. They asked me to thank the Australian Baptist family and to ask you to keep praying for them, to keep being generous. The war continues there, of course, um, and when it stops, please God that it does the task of rebuilding will commence. So there is a long way to go if we're to remain faithful to our global Baptist family in Ukraine. Right at this minute, some 95 million people across our world are refugees or displaced from their homes. 35 million of those are children. They're the most vulnerable. Now, that's a big number, so let me make it easier for us to imagine. That means that one in every 95 people on our planet is a refugee or displaced. How many people are in this room? Three or 400, perhaps, 500? That's certainly how many it seats, I think. That would mean that five of us are refugees or displaced from our homes. That's the worst number 
our world has ever seen. But alongside that, we know that ours is the wealthiest generation ever. Most of us here live fairly comfortably and compared to the world's standards, we live very well. We're rich by the world's standards. We're bright, we're educated and we're experienced. We can travel around the world in under 24 hours. We can send a message in a millisecond. It doesn't mean that your young adult son will reply to it, but you can send that message in a millisecond. We have sophisticated research and medicines at our fingertips. We have ample resources. There is enough food to feed the hungry. There is enough resources to house the refugee. And there is enough capacity to reach every person on the planet with the gospel. God has given us everything that we need to end physical and spiritual poverty. So why don't we? And whose responsibility is it anyway? Let me personalise that for us and put out a challenge. If we're following Jesus just for our sake, we're not really following him in the way he wants us to. And if we haven't joined him in his work in the world, our lives are too small. And we've settled for making a living when we could be making a difference. Author David Garland says this, the call and response of the fishermen should shatter our comfortable world of middle-class discipleship. Disciples are not simply those who fill pews at worship, attend Bible study and offer to help out in the work of the church now and then. When one is hooked by Jesus, one's whole life and purpose are transformed. And like it or not, God has delegated the running of many aspects of our world to human beings. This is our privilege and our responsibility as his image bearers. But I wonder if some of us think that we don't have enough to offer. In the words of one of my heroines, Baroness Carolyn Cox, if you don't know her, you can Google her when you get home, Baroness Carolyn Cox. She spent a lifetime trying to change the world. She said, nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. Nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. Now Ephesians says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's be clear, we aren't saved by good works but we are saved for good works and our God is is ascending God. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, Jesus didn't just announce that the kingdom had come. He demonstrated it. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He ministered to the lonely. He included the marginalised. He blessed the children just as we have done this morning and he called people back to the Father and he calls us to do the same. 
And I think a woman called Pacharo understands what that really means. She's a widow with six children and she lacked the education that she'd always hoped for. And when her husband died, she wasn't sure how she'd support or even feed her family until she became a participant in one of our livelihood projects. And soon Pacharo was growing not just enough fresh produce for her own family, but she had enough to sell. And her, her, uh, her small business began to thrive. And before long, Pacharo was chairing the Village Development Committee so that she could help people just like her. She wanted to make a difference for others. And now Pacharo and her committee have raised enough money for a small health clinic and they're just about to welcome their first health worker. They've raised enough money for that health worker's salary too. So now the whole community will have access to health care for the very first time. And Pacharo and her committee have more plans. They have plans to bring electricity to their community, new educational facilities, all the while while Pacharo is running her fresh produce business. Pacharo is the perfect example of what can happen when we believe in what we're doing and her faithfulness and her courage convicts me. You and I were made to make a difference. Our lives were meant to count. And the world should be a better place because of us. And every single one of us has a sphere of influence. And every single one of us has been called to follow Jesus and to change the world in his name. We may not believe in our own ability to make a difference, but clearly God does. And his challenge to us is to join him in his mission in and to the world. Now we get a very clear picture of God's purposes early and right throughout Scripture. But we also quickly understand the ways that humans deal with each other. There is God's consistent and special concern for the poor, for the widow, the orphan, the marginalised, the powerless. But there is also the recognition of the structures and powers that exist in society, but also within relationships that seek to deny human potential and the possibility of life in all its fullness. You know, without equality, justice, freedom and peace, human relationships, rather than being agents of fullness, well, they rob and steal. So what does the Lord require of us personally and corporally? You know the answer, to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with him. At Baptist World Aid, we see a world where poverty has ended and all people enjoy the fullness of life God intends. We see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and we're blown away by the privilege and the responsibility he's given to us as we partner with him to usher in a glimpse of his kingdom right here and right now in every corner of the earth. But, you know, the reality is that God has given given every one of us who calls ourselves a follower of Jesus that same responsibility to bring his decree to fruition. 
And when Jesus called his disciples to change the world with him, they were simple fishermen. They were not powerful, influential men. And Jesus wanted more for them than to make, run a business or to make a living. He wanted them to make a difference. He wanted to take their ordinary life and turn it into a mission. Anything else was too small a calling. So it is with us. Now, it's easier to think that God's call is for somebody else. It's for missionaries. It's not for me. But do you know that that word missionary is never used in the Bible? Not once. Not once. And that's because all of God's people are sent. All of us are commanded to go and be ambassadors for Christ. There is no special class of superhero sent ones. So who are you serving? Who are you sharing the whole gospel with? Is the world a better place because of you? Do you make your street or neighbourhood a better place? Who are you making a difference for? Now I know today is a special celebration of grandparents my kids grew up with three sets of grandparents, but the reality is that only one set served them sacrificially. They were magnificent. They still are. Um, they're the most precious people in my young adult kids' lives, and I'm so deeply grateful to God for them. My mum wasn't a Christian. She became a Christian about 20 years, praise, 20 years ago, praise God. And she spent most of that last 20 years on her knees, I think. She says she's making up for lost time, but she's a prayer. Oh, how she's prayed across this last 20 years. And I'm pretty sure that one of my kids is only alive today because of her prayers and the love. Oh, my goodness. I've been living in Sydney for six years now, but seeing the love that my, the kids and the grandies are still here in Queensland and seeing the love that they have for each other is one of the greatest joys of my life. They need each other, no question, and they are a gift from God to each other. And we know that the current generation is the most fatherless we've known. And I'm telling you from my own lived experience of growing up in a home that was marred, not by absence, but it was marred in other very profound ways, that it's very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when you don't feel safe or secure, when you don't know who you are or whose you are or how to be, and the outcomes can be tragic. But what grandparents have in their hands is the opportunity to serve in such a way that it makes a very real difference, that lost ones will not just discover their true identity, but perhaps they'll even realise the greatness and the goodness and the glory of God because of you. You can certainly be a living example of that. We all can. So will the world be glad you lived? I believe we all need to touch, to see and then touch the hurt, regardless that we may be carrying some of our own. In fact, sometimes I think that the most impactful ministry comes out of broken places and broken people. That's the beauty from ashes that the Bible talks about. And I'm reminded of Jesus' words from Matthew, truly I tell you, 
Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And conversely, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Now, there are a multitude of good reasons to extend our hands and our hearts. But as Christians, as Jesus followers, there is none higher than this. When we serve those in need, we are loving him. It's a message that Jesus made crystal clear. When we truly love others, when we serve in ways beyond ourselves, we love him. Now, there are several billion reasons to accept God's call and challenge. And Jesus says to us, follow me and I will send you out. We may be ordinary broken, sinful, but forgiven women and men, but he has called us and he has sent us in his name. And I pray, I pray that together we will go, not necessarily physically, of course, but certainly in and through what it is that God is calling us to participate in and that we will dream of that we will work toward and that we will pray for and look forward to a world where poverty has ended and all people enjoy the fullness of life that God intended. In such a world, we will all taste the joy of the kingdom of heaven. Can I pray for us? So gracious God, you have given us eyes to see the need, but so often we don't. You've given us hands to serve, but often we, we simply feel too busy, too important or too insignificant to use them for that purpose. You've given us hearts to love, but we live in a culture consumed by self. And you've given us resources to share, but often we grasp them for ourselves and for our own comfort. So change us and shape us, we pray, and forgive us for the times we've participated in ways that fail to acknowledge and honour that all people are made equally in your image. Help us to serve you, to love you, by, show, by serving those you called the very least of these. And show us how to make a lasting difference in the lives of those around us, both near and far. We long to be bearers of your justice, freedom and peace. We want to partner with you in bringing fullness of life. So send us out again, Lord, from our comfortable places and spaces. Lead us forward in your kingdom work, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks, Melissa, so much for sharing with us this morning. You hear the stats of the needs in our world. It's, it's hard and not to be moved deeply, is it? And I want to tell you this morning that God's heart breaks when he sees the need in our world. Whether it be the, the war in Ukraine, the famine in Africa at the moment, economic crisis in Sri Lanka, his heart breaks person in our own community struggling to find a roof over their head. It's not how God intended it to be. And God has called us as his followers to be part of 
bringing his kingdom, his kingdom breaking into this world, his kingdom of light and love and hope. We are plan A and there is no plan B. We are it. We are literally the body of Christ, his hands and his feet. And I want to say thank you, church. As we were hearing the message this morning, I am overwhelmed again and again and again by the generosity of you as a church, the way you give so generously, truly humbled. Every time there's a need and we share it and you give without holding back. And I see the amounts that pour in, whether it be giving we did to Ukraine earlier in the year, many other opportunities, the hampers, whatever it is, you just all in give. And I want to say thank you, church, because it is humbling to be part of a community of believers like that. And I know that's only the ones parts that we get to see. There's so many acts of generosity and love and justice that happen right across our church family. Every now and again, I hear a little story of something someone's done for someone else or an act of love and care, and it is amazing to hear of it. But that is the kingdom of God breaking into our world. That's what he calls us to be a part of. And so we want to keep pressing on, keep loving people in Jesus' name. As Melissa said, we have been sent. When we come to Jesus, he gives us, redeems us, welcomes us into his family, which is an incredible privilege, and then he sends us out. How can we keep this blessing to ourselves? We have been blessed. We are so blessed as a people, so, so blessed. He's called us, he's blessed us to be a blessing to those around us. And so I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will help us as his people to keep pressing in, to keep giving generously. This is what it says, in fact, in Deuteronomy Chapter 15, it says these words, Give generously to them, and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Sadly, there will because of the brokenness of sin in our world. So I command you, be open-handed toward these people, those who are poor and are needy. Be open-handed toward them. That is God's heart. That is our heart as we follow him as well. And sometimes you think, well, what difference can I make? What's my little gift, my little act of care going to make? But what I love about the kingdom of God is that we follow that little prompting. The Holy Spirit has this incredible way of making that then part of the bigger picture of what he is unfolding. Your little act, your prayer, your act of generosity, your act of love prompted by the Holy Spirit, you think, well, that's not going to make a difference, but then God takes it and he weaves it into the tapestry of what he's doing on a far bigger scale. I love the story of, you know, the, the, a meeting with Baptists the Baptist movement over there in Hungary, Ukraine. You know, your little part links in with God's kingdom work right across the globe. So I want to encourage you, taking those little steps. As Mr. said, one person feels like, well, I can't do anything, but every person can do something. And those little act of something that's part of the kingdom of God, moved by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, man, the impact of that is huge, is tremendous. And so I want to pray for us now as we come to close this service. I know Melissa's prayed for us, but I want to invite you to stand. I'm just going to pray as we come to respond. God will continue to lead us in faith to be ministers of his love and justice to our community, to this city and to our world in a season of great need. Let me pray. Lord, we are living in an era of tremendous need in our world. 
the needs around us are so great. Sometimes it's overwhelming, in fact. But Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be part of a bigger picture of what you're doing, bringing your love, bringing your justice to this world. And so I pray that you will help us, Lord, empower us by your Holy Spirit to follow those promptings. Even today, Lord, as Melissa's been sharing, things you want us to be a part of, maybe a neighbour in our street, maybe a cause we know of, the ends of the earth, but each little act of love, of justice of faith, Lord, you take it and you use it as part of the things you are doing and bringing your kingdom of light and love and hope into this world I pray over this season, Lord, as we get ready to do the hampers, Lord that you'll have your hand upon that as people receive those hampers, it'll be so much more than just a practical help, although it is that, but more than that, Lord, an expression. There is a God who loves them, cares about them. I pray um, you continue to have your hand upon the work of Baptist World Aid, the amazing work they're doing. Bless Melissa, John, Tish and Gabe, the team, Lord. Bless them, we pray. This is your heart, Lord. And so lead us as your people, that more and more people would come to know the hope that is found in you, Jesus, your incredible love, each one. Bless us, we pray. Lead us, we ask. We pray this in your name. Amen. We're going to sing a great song that speaks about all God has done for us, his great love. We're going to sing this as response. Um, So let's do that together right now.
So Lord, we pray, Lord, send us out, we ask, as Your people. Ones You have sent, You've commissioned, You've called to be Your hands and Your feet in this world, Lord. Help us this week, Lord. As promptings of Your Holy Spirit, as expressions of Your love in tangible ways, Lord. Help us to step out in faith. Help us, Lord, to be looking outward continually. Help us, Lord, for Your heartbeat, Lord. Your heart to break our heart, Lord for the needs around us. Make us aware. Make us ready to go, we pray. And through this, Lord Jesus, we pray many would come to find faith and hope in You, Jesus. Many would put their, their faith and trust in You. Lives transformed. Our world transformed, Lord. Through the power of the good news of the Gospel, we pray. This is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. Church, can we thank Melissa for coming to share with us this weekend? Thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing with us. If you'd like prayer, our prayer team will be down the front. They'd love to pray for you. The photo booth, tea and coffee. Elijah Winnington tonight. Don't miss that as well. But God bless. Thanks so much for sharing with us.